Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Nightlight has partnered with Fan Roll Dice by Metallic Dice Games to offer an exclusive discount on one of their gorgeous dice sets that we've fallen in love with because of their satisfying weight and, let's just be honest, sparklies. Not to mention their impeccably constructed dice accessories. In one word, velvet. Visit fanrolldice.com, that's F-A-N-R-O-L-L-D-I-C-E.com, and use our discount code NIGHTLIGHT for 10% off any new additions to your dice hoard. A portion of your purchase will come back to us and help support our shows. So go to fanrolldice.com with the discount code NIGHTLIGHT to get 10% off of any additions to your dice hoard. I'm Tanya Ransom, creator and executive producer of Nightlight, a horror podcast featuring creepy tales written and performed by black creatives from all over the world. This week's story is as old as time. But before we get to angelic assassinations, I want to take a moment to say thanks to our newest patrons, Sarah, SV27 Swee, Jane, Rhonda, Serene, Ron, and Craig. Thanks also to Francesca for increasing their contribution. If you'd like to support Black Horror and enjoy ad-free episodes, just go to patreon.com slash nightlightpod to join the Nightlight Legion and get a shout-out on the podcast and occasional bonus content. You can also make a one-time donation to support us at paypal.me slash nightlightpodcast. And don't forget, Nightlight merch is available, and you can support us by supporting Nightlight-branded gear. Just go to merch.nightlightpod.com to get your t-shirts, hoodies, notebooks, and more. Now sit back, turn out the lights, and enjoy... Wheels and Deals, written by Todd Sullivan and narrated by Jarvis Bailey. The Fable and Folly Network supports creators of exceptional audio stories, including the one you're listening to right now. If you love our shows, we want to hear from you. Complete our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey. This will help us learn more about you, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and how we can maintain an inclusive, safe atmosphere. As a thank you for your participation, we have extras and behind-the-scenes content from your favorite shows. Fans make the network what it is. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to hear from you. Find our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey today. The angel's gaze swept over the human skins hanging in its closet. Like a businessman choosing the best suit for a power meeting, it sifted through the hollowed-out flesh and decided upon a 19-year-old female to slip over its six wings and three faces. The skin stretched, then tightened on its bulky form, slimming it down until it appeared exactly like the university student before the angel had kidnapped, strangled, and gutted her. The angel dressed the female in a suede skirt, cashmere sweater, and fur-trimmed hooded jacket, then studied itself in the full-length mirror on the back of the bedroom door. Today, it announced, I... And Kim Leon. She stood a little more than one and a half meters tall, her long black hair falling neatly down her petite shoulders to the middle of her back. She smiled at the sharp contrast between the true form of her many wings and faces 
and these two simple human legs and arms and the female's singular oval face. Humans had truly been made closest to the creator's image and were so much less complicated without the exotic details of angels. When the angel looked into the girl's elegant eyes, the smile twisted in frustration at the flaw threatening the illusion. Maintaining her gaze revealed the missing spark, the spirit long since departed. Most humans never noticed the lack of life lurking in the empty stare of her puppet's eyes. Those who did posed a danger to the angel who was struggling for an identity that the creator hadn't gifted it with at inception. Her brow furrowed and she repeated, I am Kim Lian, in a voice that trembled in doubt. With a low growl, she hurried out of the apartment building to the elevator and went down a dozen flights and out the glass double doors into the busy Kongdak district streets. Towering skyscrapers shot up into the blue sky around the major intersection outside Leon's apartment building. Time neared noon, and taxis poured down the broad gray avenue in successive waves of yellow and silver and black. Mopeds and scooters zipped between cars, forcing them to swerve to avoid collisions. The helmeted riders, cigarettes dangling between their lips, ignored the sounds of wheels screeching on asphalt and horns blasting after them as they raced to fulfill delivery orders throughout the megacity. Leon observed Sol's chaotic bustle with hungry eyes. Earlier that week, a merchant had contacted the angel about a job to procure a pure soul at a fantastic price. The two of them had set up a meeting to discuss the details at the nearby Café Benet in the next hour. Leon decided to walk the three blocks to the café this brisk December morning. She exhilarated in the sensation of taut muscles contracting and relaxing in graceful symmetry in her compact body. She deeply breathed in the crisp air and flexed her fingers and toes with the pleasure of being substantial instead of luminous and indefinite. If this soul proved valuable enough, perhaps she could work out a deal to extend her time within mortal casings. At her current level of power, she could only inhabit human flesh a dozen or so hours a day before her true form threatened to cast off the lifeless body. When she accidentally brushed against a young man in the crosswalk, he turned and looked her over with an appreciative eye. Leon ached to become closer to him, to listen to the minute details of his highest goals and deepest dreams as lazy afternoons of in-depth conversation led into peaceful evenings in each other's embrace. The creator had also not wanted this for angels, the ability to form such intimate connections with humans but why? The mortal world was so beautiful, yet ultimately denied to the angels as they existed alongside them on Earth. The angels' curiosity had given it shape and power beyond those enforced upon it by the Creator. Yet everything in existence had a price, and the angel was set to pay it again, no matter the cost. Leon reached Café Benet and stepped inside into the heavy smell of roasting coffee. She inhaled deeply held the dense fragrances inside her lungs, then exhaled slowly in pleasure. The server at the counter greeted her, and she smiled brightly at him. He too seemed captivated by her appearance, and was eager to help when she stepped up to order an Americano, garlic and cheese honey bread, and a small bottle of grapefruit juice. When her drinks and dessert were ready, she took them upstairs on a brown platter. She recognized the merchant at once from the first time they worked together six months ago. He sat alone by a row of windows looking out upon the city. He wore an expertly tailored gray suit over a prim, athletic figure. Leon approached his table. He glanced up at her and nodded, 
his gaze briefly sliding over her before he directed his attention back to the window. She placed her platter on his table, and he sat back, momentarily startled. I'm sorry. May I help you? He looked around the mostly empty second floor of the cafe. I don't mind you joining me, he added with another quick appraisal of Leon's figure, but there are plenty of other free seats available. There are, she observed. Why be alone if you don't have to? She sat down opposite him, setting the slice of cake on its dainty dishware between them. She placed the platter on the table behind her and took a sip of her Americano. It's so delicious on this cold day, she said, the warmth of the hot coffee flowing down her throat, sending thrills of pleasure through her. Please, she added, motioning to the cake. Have a slice. You only have one fork, the merchant pointed out, to which Leon shrugged. It's okay. We'll share. The merchant didn't hesitate. He carved off a piece of cake for himself, placed it gingerly in his mouth, and then cut a piece for her and delicately presented it for her consumption. He stared deep into her eyes, and as she leaned forward to take the fork between her teeth, the merchant issued a low gasp. It's you, he hissed, and dropped the fork in disgust. The clatter spread across the second floor and caused the only other patron to look over at them. The body the angel wore tightened in sudden rage. The angel restrained itself from reaching across the table, placing its petite but strong fingers to the man's throat and throttling him. The merchants were only humans, after all, and mostly ignorant of the cosmic game in which they dealt inartfully in. But this particular mortal had grown enough understanding of the divine to see the truth in its eyes. My name is Kim Lian, the angel said. It's a pleasure to meet you. The merchant shivered. You were a man when we met last time. And now... He swallowed. Don't ponder too hard on it, the angel replied. It smothered the red-hot anger threatening to submerge what identity it had successfully created within itself. In their natural state in this world, all angels existed only as emotions of light, influencing humans to do acts of extreme goodness. But occasionally, one of the more inquisitive ones forged personalities for themselves in order to experience greater sense of individuality. The angels bartered pure souls with demons, growing not only in complexity, but also power. But their sense of self was fragile. Humans who peered through the camouflage threatened their existence. The angel had already lost the brightest of the light the creator had gifted it with, leaving it only a glow of wings and faces when alone in its apartment in Gongdok. If it succumbed to hate, it would lose what spark it still possessed and become an emotion of deep shadow without thought or reason and with only one purpose left to it, influencing humans to do terrible acts of evil. Let's get on with this, Leon said, her voice frosty. The merchant blanched, and with a flick of his wrist, a small leather notebook appeared in his hand. Trivial tricks like this were what the human merchants received in exchange for selling souls to lords below in hell. A bit of precognition, extra speed, strength, and youthful appearance that lasted longer than that of a typical mortal. For these slight abilities that lasted eight or nine decades, the merchant could more easily gain wealth and power, but he would spend an eternity of spiritual torture in some realm below. The soul you're to steal tomorrow belongs to a Congolese girl, the merchant said when he flipped to the right page in his notebook. Her name is Rose Cabasel. He glanced up at Leon, but didn't meet her eye. She'll be a difficult catch, 
but the rewards will be high. She's a Catholic missionary living in the rectory in Shinchan Church, training to be a nun, proficient in English and French. She's studying Korean at Sogang University. Be careful around her, the merchant added. She's truly a pure heart and will be a very formidable opponent to you. Leon did not give the merchant the satisfaction of a reaction. How and when is the girl estimated to die, she asked. The merchant swallowed hard. Between 1300 and 1415 tomorrow. Sorry, that's the best I can do. You'll have to be near her body between those times, or else her soul may get away from you. I know what I'm doing, the angel informed him coldly, and the merchant flinched. He looked out the window, then at the door, and last, at his watch. I should be going, the merchant hastily said, and closing his hand, swallowed the notebook in his palm. The angel grinned. So proud the man was for so little. It could slice the mortal open and empty him of his insides slowly, so that he'd scream for hours until he'd lost his voice and mind to the torment. And even that would pale in significance to what waited for the mortal after his death, and also for this girl, Rose Cabasel, once it secured her soul for the realms below. Sogang University was only several blocks from the angel's apartment in Gongdak. The next morning, it pulled on the flesh of a young Colombian man it acquired a year ago. Memories of the romantic encounters that it shared with the male sent tingles of warmth through the angel as it slipped the flesh over its wings and faces. Standing solid, instead of an apparition of dimming light in front of the mirror, the angel said, My name is Carlos Hernandez. Carlos had been a lover of American classic rock and an explorer of Far East cultures. He traveled far beyond his small town of Bogota to live in Japan, then Hong Kong, and China to finally arrive in Korea. His rhythmic staccato voice floating between the notes of the bass guitar he played in the streets around the university clusters in Seoul had been a magnet to Korean women. Then, one late night a week before he was to continue on his adventure to Vietnam, he met Kim Leon. Everything about her had enthralled him. She'd taken him back to her apartment in Kong Dak, and for long moments in the dark, He'd shared his innermost soul with her as he revealed the aspirations he wished to accomplish in that blink of time humans called life. When Leon realized she wanted to add him to her collection, she extended her six wings and the puppet of flesh peeled from her three faces before his startled eyes. The angel held him down with the force of its dying light, skinning him alive. It swallowed his terrible cries within the darkness blossoming around it in the form of writhing, probing shadows. Now, the angel dressed Carlos in jeans, shirt, and suede jacket. He left the apartment and took the city bus to the Sogang University Station. The bus rumbled from block to block, its sudden stops and abrupt accelerations, causing the passengers to lurch backward and forward as they fought for balance. Several times, the bus almost sideswept cars speeding around it, or rear-ended mopeds that suddenly appeared before the barreling vehicle. While the other passengers hung on tightly, Carlos exhilarated in the chaotic momentum. Every experience outside his apartment a treasure to explore. The merchant had emailed Rose's picture and class schedule. This was the end of the semester for Sogang's KLEC, the Korean Language Education Center, and the students enrolled in the program were taking three days of exams. 
Carlos arrived at the building minutes after 8 o'clock a.m. and waited outside beneath the pale blue sky stretching wide over Seoul. Teens in uniforms walked in clusters to the surrounding high schools, and men and women rushed down sidewalks to nearby subway stations on their way to work. Carlos sat on a bench outside the KLEC and watched the busy humans with intense envy. To truly be able to experience the everyday wonders of daily mortal life, to be a complete individual, free to decide their own fate every morning when they opened their eyes. After securing this soul, the angel would be able to bargain for a higher power from one of the lords below. The angel had heard rumors of the ability to transfer its essence into a human by touch alone. How easy would that make life, to substitute the consciousness of the human and control the body as it saw fit? When it grew bored, it could simply move on with another touch to a new body and then another and another. Rose entered the brick Sogan gates and walked up the path toward the KLEC building. Carlos shook off his musings, quickly unshouldered his school bag to retrieve a notebook, and pretended to concentrate upon a scribbled page as she approached. When she was about to pass him, he said in English, Excuse me, can you help me figure something out? Rose stood almost a meter shorter than him. She wore a modest pair of teal pants, a puffy purple jacket, and a knitted cap over her tightly twisted hair. She smiled warmly at him, and stepping up to him, placed a hand on his arm. What's wrong? she asked, looking at him through her dark brown glasses. Do you have a list of conversation topics they're going to ask for the writing test? He gave her a rueful grin. I was rushing this morning and totally forgot my study notes. She gave his arm a friendly squeeze. You're in luck. I have them memorized. She replied and rattled off eight general topics in Korean about school, friends, and family. Carlos, holding her gaze, listened intently, and when she finished, shook his head. So many, he said. This is going to be wicked hard. She peered closer at him. Are you still in level four? I remember seeing you when I started the program last year. I would have thought you had graduated and gone home, or gotten a job by now. The angel froze. It hadn't considered the possibility that Rose would have seen this body when it still lived and attended the Korean Language Education Center last year. She gazed into his eyes, waiting for a response. The angel cycled through a jumble of conjured excuses, but nothing seemed convincing enough. Carlos took a small step back from her, poised to flee, but too hungry for power to run. Then, she squeezed his arm again. You don't have to be ashamed. Plenty of people fail these language classes a couple of times before completing the program. Korean's not easy to learn. She smiled at him. As long as you pass the test this time, that's all that matters, right? Carlos laughed with relief, his body relaxing at her assumptions. <laughs> yes, yes, he said in quick agreement. I'm sure I'll pass this time. He paused. You've been very kind to me. I'll let you know after exams how I did. He pointed to this spot. I'll be right here waiting to tell you. She took his pale hand in her dark ones. I'll say a prayer for you, and we'll be right here waiting to hear. See you in a couple of hours. All of the exams ended at 1300 when the KLEC morning classes let out each day. Carlos waited outside by the same bench, a cigarette between his fingers. Throngs of chattering students poured out into the cold afternoon, their voices full of excitement or despair at potential test scores. The angel decided that Carlos would tell Rose that he passed this time around, all because of her good wishes. 
He mustered up the appropriate amount of youthful enthusiasm and checked the time again, 13.10. The flood of students dwindled to a trickle. Rose was late to exit the building, and with her death estimated between 1300 and 1415, the angel began to worry. Perhaps it happened inside the KLEC building? But how? A tumble down the stairs as she rushed to meet him? A sudden illness overtaking her in the classroom as she handed in her paper to the professor? He listened intently, but heard no voices in distress calling for assistance, and saw no ambulances to indicate a person needing medical attention. The angel swore, if she died outside in its presence, it wouldn't be able to secure the soul before Rose started her journey into the plane above for judgment. Opportunities for individuals this pure came few and far between, and usually took months to triangulate. The next chance to barter with a soul singularly devoted to the Creator could be years in the future. Annoyance at the thought became a simmering rage of the opportunity lost. And then, through the glass lobby doors, he spied Rose coming out of the elevator. Carlos flipped away the cigarette he just lit and waved to her as she exited the building. You're still here? She asked in surprise as she walked down the steps toward him. I thought you'd have left by now. Carlos shook his head. I was too excited. I'm sure I passed this time around, and it's all because of you. Rose threw her head back and laughed. Her whole body shook with the force of it. Even the sunlight falling on her coal black skin seemed to glow with amusement. She peered at him through her glasses and gasped out through the peels ringing forth from between her red lips. I had nothing to do with it, she clasped his arm. Be prepared and have faith in the Lord, and there's no trial you can't pass. A slight sneer curled Carlos's lips before he could twist them into a smile. Rose's gaze searched his face inquisitively, but her expression remained open and friendly. I'm sorry I'm late, she continued. Me and my classmates got so busy taking pictures and exchanging information, time just got away from us. She looked at her watch. It looks like I'm going to have to get a taxi. There's another exam I have to take down toward my church that I'm just about to miss if I don't hurry. Your church tests you? Carlos acted surprised. Life is full of tests, Rose replied, taking Carlos's pale hand in her dark ones. She said, It's been nice to meet you. I hope you get everything you want this quarter. She started to pull away, but Carlos held on. Do, do you mind sharing a cab with me? He asked. I'm going towards Shinchan anyway, same direction, and I'll pay for the fare. Rose inclined her head. You knew my church was in Shinchan? I just figured it'd be nearby, Carlos quickly replied. Rose nodded. Okay, let's hurry then. Together they walked down the path leading from the KLEC building back through the brick gates of Sogang University. They only had to wait a minute before flagging down a taxi that swerved out of the busy afternoon traffic to come to an abrupt stop meters ahead of them. Once inside, Rose told the driver their destination in Korean, and the taxi leapt back into the bustle of cars speeding down the street. Carlos checked the time in the dashboard. 13.45. Less than half an hour was all that the girl sitting next to him had left to her. The angel had been in the last moments of life of humans often enough that he began to extrapolate exactly how it would happen. So when, out of the corner of his eye, he saw a moped cut off a bus barreling toward the upcoming intersection, Carlos put his hand on the back of the seat and relaxed his body. The bus jerked away from the moped to avoid hitting it, then jerked again to miss a group of pedestrians waiting at the crosswalk. The huge speeding vehicle lurched toward the taxi and slammed the car, flipping it over. Glass rained in upon the three occupants. At the first tumble, the roof of the car caved in. 
and the angel picked up the sound of bones cracking. The second flip, which sent the taxi skidding into the wall of an adjacent building, crushed the side of the car where Rose sat and left her body mangled in steel. Immediate silence dropped over them. Finally, the angel thought and reached out to touch Rose's bleeding face. Her eyes fluttered open and she tried to focus on him without her missing glasses. She must have recognized him regardless, because the first thing she asked was, Are you okay? Her voice gurgled up from her throat as a broken whisper. The angel nodded, even though its skin had ripped in places. It needed to get out of the wreckage fast and escape before too many humans pressed in around it. Even though they would not see its true form in the rips of its suit of flesh, they would still see something an apparition that their minds would not be able to comprehend, and their attempts to process the appearance of the angel might attract attention from the creator. That the angel could not risk. I'm okay, Carlos replied. Rose nodded, relief flooding the dark features of her face. Her eyes gently closed, and without another sound, she passed away. The angel waited several breaths until a haze drifted up from the corpse in a series of concurrent waves. The angel reached out and, speaking in its divine language, said, Come with me. I'll, I'll take, take you where you need to go. The haze shifted as if on a breeze, paused and simply hovered over the body for a brief moment before flowing toward the angel and saying, Come with me, and I'll take you where you need to go. The angel shrank away from Rose's soul speaking the divine language. What a source of inspiration this human may have become in the mortal realm had she lived. Truly had she been close to the creator, communing with it in such intimate prayer that she had actually learned the language of the heavens. Thinking quickly, the angel said, There is nothing left here for you. Only I can take you where you need to be. The haze drifted closer and the angel pressed Carlos back against the twisted steel that tore further at its flesh. There is nothing left here for you, the haze said. From some point behind it, a sudden pinpoint of bright light exploded into reality. The pinpoint grew and brightened. A portal to the creator's plane opened to engulf Rose's soul with a brilliant hue. Only I can take you where you need to be. Through the portal, the angel saw the realm of the creator a transit hub of energy becoming form in reality, the center of which the creator existed toiling endlessly in creation. The yearning to become part of its cosmic plan again brought tears to the angel's three faces and its six wings stretched in agitation against the suit of skin. To be welcomed back into the embrace of the creator, to become a part of the light that infused with the power to influence humans to acts of selflessness and love the angel could once again be an agent of good, and it would feel so good to let go and have the warmth of the Creator shine over it, as it had so long ago. The angel reached out toward the portal, but then saw its bleeding fingers and ripped flesh. It remembered the human skins hanging in its closet. It remembered the experiences that it had when it wore the body of men and women. It remembered what it was like to be an angel in the mortal realm to have no identity, to only be a bright light with no agency to forge a destiny of its own. The angel's six eyes closed. No, it said to the haze bathed in the bright light of the creator. I, I cannot, cannot go, go to that place, place with you. No, 
Rose's soul repeated the word. The portal closed and she was gone. But her last words lingered faintly in the air. I cannot go to that place with you. It was over. The merchandise had been lost, and the angel had to escape, even as it climbed out of the car to see the concerned looks of the people who had crowded in around the accident. The angel studied their different faces, their hairstyles, their body shapes. It had ruined one of its favorite suits, and the angel had no choice but to procure another. Thanks again to our patrons for supporting this podcast. Because of your support, listeners around the world get creepy tales in their ears every other week. If you want new stories every week, the only way for that to happen is to join the Nightlight Legion by going to patreon.com slash nightlightpod and supporting this podcast. You can also make a one-time donation via PayPal at paypal.me slash nightlightpodcast. If you're unable to support us financially, word of mouth is the next best way to help. Give us a shout out online on Twitter or Instagram at NightlightPod or like us on Facebook at NightlightPod. Reviews are also a huge help, so be sure to leave a few kind words on your podcast platform of choice. Audio production for this episode by Davis Walden. And to thank you for listening until the very end, we have a creepy fact for you. Despite modern folklore depicting angels as guardians of humanity, the Bible actually shows them to be warriors that fight for God, not us. In fact, the Old Testament is chock full of tales of angels killing thousands of people for various sins. Those cute cherub angels? They have four different faces of various animals and hooves. Seraphim, whose name translates loosely to burning ones, have six wings, two of which they use to cover their faces so they don't kill the humans that see them with their heavenly brightness. If they were truly our guardians, would we not be able to look upon them without getting melted? Join us next time, and be sure to leave your nightlight on. You never know what might be waiting for your soul in the dark. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.